We continue our series on To Live as Christ from the book of Philippians. And this morning we turn to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Uh, last Sunday, for those of you who were here, uh, Pastor Laren Zurhoff gave a message from the, these verses preceding, uh, from Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11, which all talked about uh, the, the most important thing in the world is Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And it, he, it, that passage talks about the importance of Paul's driving desire to know who Jesus is and to gain Christ. That was his number one goal in life. We all have goals. Different, we have professional goals, other goals of this and that. And maybe some of you have to go through goal setting from time to time in the work that you have. Paul says, I have one goal in life. I want to be like Christ. I want to know him. I want to gain him. I want Christ's likeness in my life. That being said, he wants to now qualify what he's saying just in case someone thinks, oh, good. That means you can be Christ-like even before you go to heaven. And in verses 12 through 16, he picks up this theme to remind them that something about perfection, even though I'm pursuing Christ-likeness, I don't have it yet. And let's see what he says. He now explains this to the church in Philippi and to us this morning. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16. He says, not that I already have obtained all of this, this, this perfection, this Christ-likeness, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. This is grace. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, spiritually mature, should take such a view of things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What comes to mind when you see this word or you hear this word? Perfection. I, I often hear the phrase, uh, 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 in, my, in a perfect life, this would be this, or in a perfect life, this would be that, or in a perfect life, this would be that. Perfection. Paul is talking here about Perfection. And I, and I want to just kind of lay out this question. Is, per, is perfection attainable in this life? Some of you like to bowl. Any bowlers here? Anybody bowl over 200 ever? Yes? Anybody ever get, what, what is 300 called? A perfect game. Come on. Somebody. There's got to be somebody. Who got close? No, well, uh-uh. Who? You, you got a 300? Two. That's, that's like, you probably got a hole in one in golf, too. Not yet, okay. <laughs> Perfection. My highest, I think, was like 238. But 300. You can have a perfect game of bowling. Can you have a perfect game in baseball? What is it called? A no hitter. 
Or, uh, yeah, then, or, or even, an, I think, even one step further would be nobody even got a base, right? That's what? That's the perfect game. Any pitchers here that you can claim to fame? Probably not. How about in gymnastics? Is a one of the perfect score in gymnastics? A six? Ten. Have you seen, remember, the, the last gymnast I remember was, was Comanese? Is that her name? Yeah, she got a perfect ten. And there have probably been some perfect tens later, but perfection in gymnastics, you can actually get a perfect score. Now let's hit the education field for a moment. How many of us took the ACT or the SAT test? And how many of you got a perfect score on the ACT? What is a perfect score? What's the number? 36. Anybody got a 36? I think years ago when I took it, and I didn't care much about school, I got like a 21, a 22. So most of you probably beat that. But a 36 is a perfect score. What about the SAT? 1,600 is the perfect score. Anybody ever get close to 1,600? See, when we talk about perfection, these, these are things that would first come to mind because these are all kind of perfect things in their field. Paul says, let me talk about perfection for a moment and, and what it means to be perfect in Christ, what it means to have complete, perfect spiritual maturity, what it means to be complete in my knowledge of who Christ is. He says, let's talk about perfection. Jesus himself challenged us, was it Matthew 5, verse 48, when he said, can you finish the, the verse? Be, for, be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Because that was a challenge he laid out to his disciples. Be perfect. And Paul would write later to the church in Corinth these words from uh, 2 Corinthians 13. Aim for perfection. That, that's your goal. That's the mark that you're after. Perfection, be, being Christ-like in every way, is the goal. Now we have, as I said, we have certain things in this world that we can say, yeah, that's perfect. But can you as a Christian, can I as a Christian... Can Heather, as, as she professes her faith now, can, can she attain perfection in this life? That's what Paul is addressing. Is spiritual perfection attainable on earth? Is it possible in your walk with God to become so spiritual that you've arrived at what some would call spiritual maturity at its best? You can no longer go any further in your knowledge in gaining who Christ is and knowing him because you have arrived at perfection is complete Christ-likeness within our grasp as we come to know who Christ is. Now, probably there are some Christians in the church in Philippi who thought so, which is why Paul is writing these words. And with Paul as, as, as kind of their, uh, their role model, it's like, wow, Paul, you must be there. Because St. Paul was one of these like most spiritual people you'd want to be around. He had grown so much in Christ, as testimony in these earlier verses. There are people who think back then, there are some people, I met one person in my life uh, who believed he was perfect, that God already had brought him to the point in his life where he had reached perfection. Can you be perfect in this life when it comes to who Christ is and, and your Christ-likeness in you? Paul says, let me address that question, let me answer it for you, and that's what Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16 is all about. He says, he, he kind of gives us his, his spiritual progress report. Boys and girls, you ever get a progress report in school? They used to have those when I went through school. I don't know if they give those anymore. 
because they like, they, they like to see you making some progress. No longer just one plus one equals two, but you know, sines and cosines and everything else. You make progress as you go through math and, and you hopefully you get better and better at it. This is Paul's spiritual progress report. And he says, you know, although my ultimate goal is to be Christ-like in every way, that someone could actually say to him something like, you are the perfect husband and mean it, even though we don't believe he was married. He says, my ultimate goal is perfection in Christ. Chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. I want to know Christ. I want to gain him. I, I, want, I want to be like him in every way. But he says, listen, the truth of the matter is, verse 12, I have not yet attained it. Oh, it's there. I, I, I can see it. I know what the mark is. But he says, I have not yet attained it. I have yet, not yet taken hold of it. Boy, it's just kind of within my reach. I, I'm grasping out for it. But he says, I want you to know, my friends in Philippi, and he wants us to know this morning, God's word says, it's there, but not quite yet taken hold of. I am not yet completely Christ-like, he says. More needs to be done. Now, I, thought, I find this just an amazing statement because of all the people I, I read about in, in Scripture. You know, St. Paul just like rises right to the top. If there was anyone you would want as a mentor to hang out with who really had a passion in pursuit of Christ, it, it was this man. Paul's unrelenting passion was pursuing Christ-likeness. Now, there's a lot of things we pursue in this world. Those of us who are kind of uh, determined workaholics, uh, where we can pursue building our business or, or building the, the gifts that we have in the work world, and we set goals, and we are taught in some of our places of employment to set goals and to pursue them, and pursue them with all of your might, and, and just go after it. Paul says, listen, you want to talk about pursuing goals? There is one goal that I pursue in my life, Christ-likeness. I want to be like Jesus. In every way, and we've heard, we've learned about Jesus' humility, Jesus' servant life and the like, Jesus' grace towards people as we read through Philippians. And that's what we as Christians would have as, as a goal as well. In fact, what, what a great opportunity to, to witness someone when you're in maybe a business meeting or where you work and they say, what are some of your goals in life and, and the goals that you have for you? You say, well, can I tell you, first of all, the goal in my life is to be Christ-like. No time of look at you, maybe scratch their head. What? What is that all about? My goal is Christ-likeness. Always maintaining, this is a good phrase to remember, always maintaining a not-yet-Christ-like mentality. Because when you ever say that, that means I have room for growth, for spiritual growth. A not-yet-Christ-like mentality. Because when you have that kind of mentality, it gives you the motivation, as it goes on to say, to press on, twice in this passage. I'm motivated to press on. I could stop. I could quit. I've been seeking spiritual maturity long enough. But he says, I'm going to press on toward the goal of perfection. Now, now that word press on is an interesting in, in the Greek language because it was used of a runner. Because, uh, you know, Paul is writing in a day in which there was the, the Isthmian Games in Corinth and the Olympics in Greece. And this word was often used of, of runners approaching the finish line. And have you ever, maybe you've been in a race like this, or maybe you've seen a race like this, when two people are like neck and neck coming up to the finish line. 
and after exerting all the energy they had, they know they just have these few steps. They're stretching out with every, every muscle they have, every physical muscle stretching out, yearning for that finish line so that they can win the prize. Determined to win the prize. Every ounce of energy, everything they have inside of them, effort put into get that prize. Now, that being said, Paul uses this word regarding spiritual growth or attaining spiritual maturity. He says, let me tell you what, what you need as a Christian. Church in Philippi, friends this morning, let me tell you what you need to do if you want to attain, get as close as you can to being Christ-like in this world. Let me tell you what you need to do. And I said, oh, quick, take out my pen or take out my computer. I, I'm going to write down these five or ten things that I have to do. And he doesn't give us a list of five or ten things. How many things does he say you have to do? One thing. Oh, I can remember that. One thing. Now, he gives a, a two-fold answer, but he says, there is one thing, verses 13 and 14, that you need to do, Christians in Philippi, Christians, others here this morning, there's one thing that you need to do if you want to get as close to Christ's likeness as you can in this world. Twofold. First of all, he says, you got to forget what's behind you. Now think about it for a moment. He's talking about your past. If you're a Christian, if some of us have been Christians for a long time, you know there are days in your life when you fail God. Sin has, 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 has been committed in your life. And it should disappoint you. It should make you just feel bad because that's the Holy Spirit working in you to, to keep you going in the right direction. But you fail God. And sometimes you fail God again and again and again. And sometimes we can get so tired in the past and, and being reminded of our sins of the past. It will keep us from going forward. Right? Because it, they can just consume you. And you forgot that you've been forgiven if you've asked for forgiveness. God has forgiven you of your past sins and you are to move forward. But then you sin again and say, you know what? I'm going to give up running because I just can't seem to get past my past life. But God doesn't hold your past against you. He doesn't hold your past sins against you, right? If, if you've asked for forgiveness. He says, you've got to forget what's behind you because they can slow you down. And, and it, it may eventually get you to the point where you say, I'm not going to even be in the race anymore to become spiritually mature. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I just seem to fail every time. God says, no. Paul says, no. Forget what is behind you. Forget your past failures. Get up. Ask for forgiveness. Move on. And that's for every single one of us here this morning because no one's a perfect Christian base runner. Move on, ask for forgiveness, and keep going forward. Forget what is behind you, the past. Stop focusing on the past. Sometimes, for those of you who are, let's just say, more spiritually mature, there are probably a number of you here this morning that are a little more spiritually mature than Heather. Right? Heather's coming aboard. God's going to start working all kinds of grace and, and good things in her heart and mind. And you'd say, well, you know, I'm miles ahead of Heather. I've been a Christian for 66 years. I'm just going to step back. I'll, let, I'll give her years to catch up with me. Is, is, that, is that what Paul is saying? Forget the past. Forget where. 
You can become complacent in your race. You've got to forget about it. You've got to keep going forward, getting closer to the goal. Forget what is past and behind you. Then he says, interesting, not only the past, now he says, let's talk future. Strain to what is ahead, your future, with your eyes set on the goal. And, and that's an interesting Greek word as well. In Greek literature, it was used of one army pursuing another army. And their intent were, just think of Alexander the Great or someone who was a, a great you know, army kind of guy that would just take over the world, uh, go, pursuing another army and getting their cold, wiping out one, wiping out another, wiping out another. There's this one army left, and maybe somebody would say, you know, Alexander, would you just kind of give up? You've gotten everything already. You don't need that other army. Oh, no, I'm going to go up right up into this other. I want to take them as well until I have all of them beaten, to, to strain towards what is ahead, military conflict, one army pursuing another, and not stopping until they overtake them. Paul says, strain as a Christian. Surely there are days in your life as mine where we're, we're not straining so much. We, we, we become complacent. Uh, he said, I've been in the word enough. I, my prayer life has been good. I, I've been serving well in the church. I, I, I never miss a worship service. I'm going to ease up a little bit in my Christian walk. He says, strain towards what is ahead. You can become more Christ-like than what you are already. And if you don't believe then if you're married, ask your spouse. Ask your spouse. Ask somebody who knows you. Oh, you don't, oh, you made good progress, but there's still a ways to go. As a Christian, you never stop pursuing the goal of becoming Christ-like. No matter how far along in the race you're, you are, no matter how much you've become Christ-like, even though you might be miles and years ahead of the person sitting next to you. Strain towards what is ahead with this unrelenting passion of attaining the goal. You read more about that with Peter. Is it 2 Peter 1 where he says, make every effort. And sometimes we, we just can kind of lull, get a lull in our Christian life where we stop putting in the effort because we're pretty happy where we're at. Because again, you're comparing yourself with everyone except Christ, which is the one you want to compare yourself to. Strain towards what is ahead. Forgetting the past, straining for what is ahead. You've got to keep that I'm not yet Christ-like mentality. I press on to win the prize. Perfect Christ-likeness. Some of you play basketball. Some of us are older and our knees no longer work. And we can't. And some of you maybe still are on a team. And let's say it's like 40 to 40. And there's uh, two minutes left in the game, but the other team has the ball. You go into the circle with, with the players and, and your coach looks at, looks at the guys or the girls and says, listen, time to put on some full court pressure. What's full court pressure? Who plays basketball? Who's anybody on a basketball team? Tell me what full court, what is full court pressure? It's when what? The defense will come to those people who have the ball in the offense, and while they're taking it out of bounds and they're into the court, all of a sudden, all of the players are on that side of the court. It's a full court pressure, and their intent is to take, to put so much pressure on you that they can take the ball away. This kind of intensity, Paul says, is what Christians need. It's what you need. It's what I need with the determination to attain Christ-like profession. Never take your foot off the gas pedal. Always the pressure should be on you 
to become more like Jesus. Keep up the effort. Some of you play this game, maybe. I grew up playing this a lot. And um, I'm not always the nicest person when I play Monopoly. <laughs> or anything that has an end goal of winning. Some of you know that. I've been in your homes. Boys and girls, Pastor Jim hates to lose. But Pastor Jim loves to win. And not just win. I've been playing Monopoly for quite a while, but when I was playing Monopoly, I wanted to get all the properties that I could get. Not only that, get in hotels on all of the property. And I'd have like just about all of them. Hotels, you know, Park Place, Broadway, the whole nine yards. Got a whole few people in jail, you know, just they're, they're just here they are. And somebody, maybe my wife, somebody else might say, don't you have enough? Ease up a little bit. I said, no, I want, I want them. I want them all. I want to win. You understand what I'm saying? Now, it's not a good thing. You, gotta, you, can, you may do that, but there's a nice way to win. And, and a, a not so nice way to win. You put your heart, your soul, your termination as a Christian into attaining Christ likeness. And you want to win. And in this case, unlike Monopoly or other games, there are many winners when you seek to be like Christ and Christ likeness. There's not only one person who wins the prize, everyone who runs gets the prize, right? Everyone who runs and runs well gets the prize. And that, that's what pursuing Christ-likeness is all about. We're on this, in this race together with our eyes set on what is before us. Um, has anyone ever heard of Pablo Casal? I think I've asked this years ago here. Pablo Casal was one of the most influential musicians of the 20th century. Uh, just a great cellist, a great composer, a great, a great songwriter and conductor. And um, word is, he was the best cello player who ever lived, ever. And um, so the story goes, when he was asked, he was 95 years old. And a young reporter asked him the question. He says, Mr. Casals, you are 95 and the greatest cellist who ever lived. Why do you still practice Six hours a day. And Mr. Casals answered, because I think I'm making progress. I think I'm making progress. Our goal as Christians is to make progress daily. No matter how far along you are, no matter if you're the, for sake of words, the greatest Christian in the room, you too are still making progress progress. Boys and girls, ever been in the car with mom or dad or grandpa and grandma and you're going someplace and it's just taking a little bit too long for you to get there. What's the one question you always ask? Yeah, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I watched a documentary with my wife maybe two, three weeks ago. 1850, when people got in wagons and horses, the first people to go to California. 
through the West. And um, three to six months they had to travel that way. Many of them, half of them died on the way. Do you think at that time those kids would say something like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? That's the question that Paul is answering for us this morning. Are we there yet? Lord, my, my, my last seven years with you, we've been racing together, growing in Christ's likeness. I've seen some of you mature greatly because you're putting in the effort. You're in the words, you're in prayer, you're, you're worshiping faithfully, you're looking for service opportunities, you're volunteering in vacation Bible school. And, and you as well, have, have, and people around you have seen you grow in the faith because of that, because you're putting in the effort to be Christ-like and to becoming Christ-like. But you're not there yet. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Today, Heather continues her journey. A number of us are ahead of her, way ahead of her. But she's dedicated herself already, as she said in her testimony, to do what she needs to do, what more needs to be done to grow in Christ's likeness and to become like Christ in every way. I want to challenge you this morning as, as Paul is teaching us. Always maintain a not yet Christ-like mentality till the day you die. Not yet. Keep pressing on, says Paul. Keep your eye in the mark of spiritual, complete spiritual perfection in Christ. Keep your eye on the goal. Stay in the word. Stay in prayer. Look for opportunities to volunteer, to serve in ways that maybe you've never served before. Because just like the boys and girls, we're not there yet. And we won't be until the day Jesus Christ finally returns when finally uh, he can look at you and he can look at me and he says good racing you have run well you have run well and now finally you'll be completely spiritual mature and like me in every way through eternity that's powerful keep in the race run the race press on and attain Christ's likeness to the degree that God brings you. Father, in Jesus' name, we know that we are not there yet. Forgive us when we get lazy and complacent. Forgive us when we think we've been in enough Bible studies that we don't have to go to them anymore, uh, that we don't spend as much time in prayer anymore, that we have gotten too much of a habit of not worshiping with God's people. That we've said even the words, well, I'm retired now, I don't volunteer anymore. Help us all to understand and acknowledge that we are not there yet when it comes to Christ's likeness. And help us all to press on till the day you take us from this earth, until the day you crown us for finishing the race, and that we too can receive complete spiritual maturity in Christ and to be like him in perfection in every way. In his name we pray. Join me and say,